0: This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 138. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR for short, and why it's critical for you to know about this and take action on it. You've probably heard some stuff. You've heard some rumblings. You've probably had some emails. We want to dissect it a little bit for you and make it easy to understand. But first, Thomas, i got to
1: ask you, were you spared thanos did not spare me there's a great didn't. website did <laughs> did uh thanos spare you i forget what the name exactly the website is uh but uh I, I i failed the test so for the good of the universe i was slain oh i appreciate your <laughs> sacrifice because i he spared me i stuck around so there you go <laughs> and if you don't know what we're listening to props for you for watching fewer movies than us
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. We're talking about something. Uh, We're just going to leave it at that. We're not going to say anything more than that. But uh, if you did see the movie, you know what we're talking about. And if you didn't, uh, never mind. And we'll have a link in the
1: show notes if you want to find out uh, if uh, Thanos... I got you or not. <laughs> it's, it can be, it can be fun. Uh, real quick, uh, this episode is brought to you by my new podcast. So I have launched a new podcast called The Creative Funding Show, and it's focused more specifically on the business side of writing and of being a creator. And even more fo- uh, specifically than that, on how to use Patreon or Kickstarter to fund your writing. And there are a lot of authors who are making thousands of dollars a month using Patreon. We talk to them on this show. And uh, if you want to listen and learn more, go to creativefunding.show. I encourage you to check out my new podcast.
0: And if you don't know what that is, if you Patreon, Kickstarter, what are you talking about? This has been a terminology that's been... In society for a long, long time. Oh, he's a patron of the arts, right? Whether it's opera or painting or this kind of thing. Well, Patreon has taken that idea and applied it to artists like you, like me, like Thomas, where you can be supported for what you do. And Thomas's show shows you how to do that very specifically. How could people, how could you actually get paid by other people to write your books, your novels? He explores that. So I encourage you to check it out again. The
1: Creative Funding Show. All right. So let's talk about the GDPR. And before we get into this, I need to say uh, I am not a lawyer. Uh, I'm not an American lawyer and I'm not a European lawyer and neither is Jim. (laughs) So this is not (laughs) legal advice. This is a summary of the research that we have done. uh, And it is not a replacement for talking to your own lawyer. And so if you take the advice of people who are not lawyers and you get into legal trouble, you cannot complain to people who are not lawyers uh, for giving you legal advice because we're not giving you legal advice. This is for educational purposes only uh, and for your entertainment. So that uh, disclaimers out of the way.
0: And, and Thomas is gracious when he says the research we have done. Let, let's clarify that the research Thomas has done. I've done a, you know, I've done 1% of the research. Thomas has done 99% of the research. So in this episode, I'm going to kind of interview Thomas and Thomas, have you teach me along with everybody else. So I guess, first of all, this came up, tell us a little bit of the background. This is actually a European
1: policy, but it affects us. So where did this come from and why did they do it? So Europe, uh, a while back, created its own country. So European Unions like the United States of Europe. So Germany is a part of the European Union. And the laws of the European Union are above German law and above French law. So I, I realize a lot of Americans don't really understand how the EU works. And I will say, this episode is targeted at Americans. If you're a European... Um, there is a much better podcast episode. Mark Dawson in the self-publishing formula has an episode for Europeans. That's very good. Uh, so I'm going to be approaching this from an American perspective and trying to talk about what of this uh, as an American you need to worry about, because I think that Americans are going crazy and unnecessarily. So the GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. It's a privacy protection that the EU Parliament passed. And the whole idea is that As a member of the European Union, you have control over your data, and you can tell a company, I don't want you to have my data, and you have to give consent for any collection of your data. It's a wide-sweeping law, and the EU says that the law applies to EU citizens and anyone working with those EU citizens, even if that person or that company is not a member of the European Union. And so this is why you've probably gotten a lot of emails from American companies to you as an American with GDPR in the subject. And you may or may not have read that email. But everyone is getting in compliance with this, particularly big companies. And part of the reason everyone's getting in compliance is that a lot of what the GDPR is, is just things we should have been doing anyway. Uh, but I do want to say that if you're an American, this law doesn't necessarily apply to you. <laughs> so let me explain what I mean by that. Saudi Arabia can pass a law that you are required to pray five days a uh, uh, five times a day, but just because Saudi Arabia wrote a law and said that it applies to americans doesn't mean that it actually applies to you they have to as a government have the ability to exert force to force you to comply with that law that is why like that's how laws work and that's how governments work and to give a little bit of history in the last war we conquered europe so we have troops in germany we have troops in the uk we have troops in italy all of the european country uh, or many of the european union countries are occupied by the united states because we conquered them in the last war. Now, we're not telling them, you know, what to do. Sometimes we are, but the their ability to force us to do what they want is limited to what the United States government agrees. So as if you're an American citizen, you're shielded by the United States government. And the only way the EU can enter a judgment against you is if you ask, if they ask nicely and the United States says yes, we agree with you. And there is no evidence that that is going to happen. It might happen. It may not happen. There is no treaty about the GDPR. There are other international laws and some complicated things that they could do to try to do that. But we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars worth of legal expenses on the half of the EU to establish the precedence on this, which may or may not work out for them. Now, uh, the main emphasis of this, of the GDPR, is on American companies, if they have a presence in the United in EU. So if Google has offices in Europe, Gu- uh, Europe can go after Google's offices in, say, Germany And force Google to comply because Google has an office in Germany. If you, as an author, do not have a physical presence in the European Union, you don't have an employee who's working for you who lives in the European Union. Their ability to come after you is dramatically reduced.
0: (laughs) But but they still, we still have a presence. If we have a website, we have a presence in that country. Correct?
1: No, not not in that sense. There's no legal entity like you. No, I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying.
0: There's a legal. I'm not saying we there's a legal precedent for it but I'm saying p- because people in Europe can access through us through our website that's the kind of presence you're talking about
1: Correct. No. Well, so that's the argument that the Europeans are making. Like, well, if your website is available to Europeans, you still need to follow this law. Why we need to do something. Right. But that doesn't just because they're telling us we have to follow the law doesn't mean that they have the ability to force us to follow the law. So uh, they, they can't put your website in jail. Uh, they can't fee- find your website in Europe like their ability to actually act and use legitimate force is non-existent
0: okay then why then why is it why i have a, uh, a friend who's going oh my gosh we got to take care of it the the deadline's the 25th and 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 you seem to be saying it's not maybe as big a fire sale
1: as people are making it out to be so there is a possibility That some, uh, let's say this friend, uh, you know, is violating the GDPR and a European person complains to the European regulators and the European regulators then decide to take action. They enter the action in the European court, still has no force. Then they take the action that they entered into European court and won in European court. Then they would take that action and enter it in American court. And if they won then there, then there's a possibility that something bad could happen to your friend. So this is like winning the lottery odds from my perspective. <laughs> okay, okay. But if you're like really nervous, like, oh my goodness, there's a lottery chance that I might have up to 20 euros worth of fees. And by the way, you have to pay the fee in euros. You can't pay it in dollars. Um, And you don't want 20 million euros of fees or whatever the the uh, exchange rate is. And you don't want to have that exposure to that risk. You need to start looking into these guidelines and, and following the guidelines to become compliant. I, I don't think that for a typical author, they have anything to worry about because there's no meat on the bones. If if I were a European regulator and I saw that you were you know sending emails with MailChimp that you didn't have proper consent on, I wouldn't go after you. I'd go after MailChimp. <laughs> That's what the American government does um, often. It goes like with the Can-Spam Act, which is the uh, American version of GDPR. It goes back a couple of decades uh, and it's not nearly as wide ranging as GDPR. They primarily go after the bigger companies, and they force the bigger companies to make sure that their users are compliant.
0: Okay, but you said, Thomas, that that we should, there are some policies in this that are just good common sense policies. So I guess that's my question for you. What, at this point, should we as authors do to our websites?
1: Yeah, so all of that to say, that's a good point. All of that to say, don't do this out of fear of the European government. <laughs> the European government's ability to make your life unhappy is basically non-existent, in my opinion. Opinion. That said, you should do this because you want to. Because they're actually asking you to do a lot of good things. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> all right, good. Um, and and the reality is, no one likes their data to be abused and misused. And so, th- this is the time or, you know, to start being a good citizen on the internet. So let's talk about some of the guidelines of GDPR and how you can accommodate them. And I will say that I've already started making changes in my own practices to be GDPR compliant, not because I'm afraid, but because I want to, because I'm an American. <laughs> I'm doing this out of a sense of freedom, not out of a sense of fear. I'm not like, my ancestors fought a series of wars not to have Europeans tell them what they can and cannot do. Uh, so anyway, so uh the first thing, that you need to do. Uh, and this is not only good for GDPR, but it actually helps boost your rankings in Google. So this is also a guidelines that Google sets from internally. They say we give preferential treatment on the search results to people who do this thing. And that is who have a privacy policy on your website. Now, you need to realize that if you have a privacy policy on your website, that becomes binding to you based off of American law. And so if you violate your own... So how the American law works, to my understanding, again I'm not a lawyer, um, you are held to your privacy policy. So if you you can write whatever you want in the privacy policy, but if you violate your own privacy policy, an American can sue you in an American court, and the American government then can make your life miserable. So don't just write a privacy policy willy-nilly. It needs to actually be appropriate to you and to your website. And something you're going to follow. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people are like, oh... Thomas, you know, can't you write me a privacy policy for your website? And I'm like, no, uh, for several reasons. One, I. Don't know what your specific situation is, and two, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> legally, I don't think I can even do that, even if I wanted to. Um, I I can't sell legal services. There is a Italian company though that has that Randy Ingermanson, who's a friend of ours, uh, has checked out, who really uh, that has a like wizard that you walk through that will ask you a series of questions about your website, and it will generate an easy to read privacy policy that is GDPR compliant. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's Iubenda com. I, I, I'm sure I'm butchering the Italian. I, I am I apologize. But the website is in English. They have an English version. We'll link to the English version of the website. So this is a good thing to do uh, because it helps your Google rankings and it's good to have a privacy policy so that people can find out for the handful of people who care about that. Uh, the other thing that is a big aspect of GDPR that will affect authors is email marketing. So GDPR is really big on when you can and cannot email people and whether or not they've given you expressed informed consent. Uh, So if you have to email somebody to ask them, if you have permission to email them, you don't have permission to email them. (laughs) And so a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to send out an email asking all my people, if I have permission to email them. It's like, if you have to ask, it's not, you you don't have permission. Right. So the industry best practice, and we've always recommended this on this show is to have what's called double opt-in, um, consent on your website which means that they have to click something on your website they then get an email and then they have to confirm that they have that you have consent with that email in my opinion that is plenty to prove that there is uh, consent that said there's some other guidelines that I think are good uh, that make it really clear if you want to be gdpr compliant and one is, Make sure that you're informing them what kind of emails they're going to be getting. So if you say sign up to get a free ebook and that's all you say and then oh by the way you're also going to be on my newsletter, they consented to be emailed the ebook but they didn't consent necessarily to getting the newsletter. And so you just want to adjust that wording to say get the ebook and updates about future books or and my newsletter. And you just tweak that wording and that's what makes it a GDPR compliant or more GDPR compliant. Uh, there's a one, another challenge with GDPR is that none of it has been tested in court yet. So just like with American law, you know, we pass some big law, but then it's challenged in the Supreme Court and aspects of it are changed and tweaks by the courts. We don't have any of those precedents yet uh, for GDPR. So this is really, really early days. So people are freaking out that it has to be done by May 22nd. Take a deep breath. It's The Europeans are not going to come and arrest you. <laughs> there are no like European troops. Troops in the United States. I'll just say that again. We have troops there. They do not have troops here. The, the power differential is very clear here who won the last war. Uh, and even our allies are occupied by us. That's uh, the price of picking the United States as an ally. Anyway, um, so another guideline on uh, GDPR is um, it has to be express consent. So let's say you've got a contact form, and underneath the contact form, you have a checkbox that says, Sign me up for upcoming. Um, newsletter and subscribe me to your newsletter well if that checkbox is checked already it's not express consent because it was already checked for them so if they didn't pay attention they're opted in when they didn't really expressly express consent so and i've actually made this change on the creative funding show i was building that website and on the contact forms, a checkbox is like, do you want to get on the newsletter? Yes or no? Yes was checked. I unchecked yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm making this own change and I'm going to be doing that on some of the other forms, uh, partly because I'm like, yeah, this is just a good citizen thing to do. You may get a few fewer signups, but the signups you do get are going to be better signups. Uh, so take away your pre-checked uh, checkboxes. And another thing that's important, is if you have affiliate links on your website, you need to talk about affiliate links in the privacy policy and you need to disclose um, those affiliate links. You'll notice in the show notes when we recommend a service on the show and one of the ways we fund the Novel Marketing Podcast is that when possible, if there's an affiliate for something we're going to recommend anyway, we'll put an affiliate link uh, for that thing. So Jim you sometimes use uh, his affiliate. I use my affiliate a lot like for an Amazon book, right? We're interviewing somebody, we link to their book, might as well get a few pennies from Amazon and you know whoever gets it first, whatever, uh, puts in their affiliate. At some point, maybe in the future, we'll actually create a novel marketing bank account and have the money and split it, but we haven't done that. Uh, this is entirely more disclosure, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, but it's important to disclose those affiliate links and you need to understand how affiliate links work because data is being captured. So if you touch a link that to buy a book by James Scott Bell on how to write short stories and it's an affiliate link Amazon tracks that you click that link so that it can give us credit if you go on to buy the book so your data is being captured in that way and so you need to acknowledge that in your privacy policy and you don't have to as far as I know like GDPR doesn't require you to put like affiliate link in brackets right next to the link. I just think that that's a good practice. And I want it to be really obvious. It's like, hey, if you're enjoying this show and you want to send us a few pennies, click this version of the link. You could very easily copy and paste the title of the book and search for it on Amazon and buy it. And we don't get any credit. Um, But we're, I'm hoping that, you know, you are enjoying the show and you want to support what we're doing. Uh, Speaking of enjoying the show and supporting what we're doing, I think this is a good time to segue, uh, to our featured (laughs) patrons. (laughs) So, so Jim, who's our featured patron?
0: Yeah. Yes. Our patron. Yeah. Our, our, our patrons, uh, support the show and, and this. Uh, episode we are going to tell you about the busy mom's guide to writing series by angela costello and jamie foley from their back cover copy here's what it's about they say are you a busy mom who loves to write but doesn't know where to start this guide by two best-selling award-winning authors will help you make your writing dreams a reality from finding time to write to getting your kids involved. Wow. I love that idea. Jamie and Angela who are busy moms themselves. So they're, they're doing this, give you resources and the encouragement to succeed. And we'll have a link to their book
1: in the, uh, In the show notes. And full disclosure, in the spirit of GDPR, that is a paid placement. They patronize the show. You can back us on Patreon, and at certain levels of patronage, you get your book mentioned on the show. Uh, Other people will have their book featured on the Novel Marketing website. And uh, that's how we fund the show. And we want to say thank you to Jamie and Angela uh, for their sponsorship. So, a couple more guidelines on GDPR. Um, WordPress is releasing. Uh, by the time you hear this, WordPress should have released a new version of WordPress that's going to be GDPR compliant. A lot of the services that you use are doing the vast majority of the work to be GDPR compliant, and part of this is because these big companies exist in Europe and really, legitly, have to follow the rules. So, Google Analytics—you may probably running Google Analytics on your website. Guess what? Google exists in Europe, and they have enough money where. Man, if you have to sue Google and it costs you a million dollars to enter the judgment in the European court and then take it to American court and do all of that, well, guess what? And you win a $20 million judgment, that's a win because Google actually has $20 million and will actually have to pay $20 million. You do that to somebody who has no money, you don't end up winning. Even if you win, you don't get any money. Uh, it's one of the things you learn in a lawsuit. You can't just sue somebody. You have to sue somebody with money if you actually want to get money. <laughs> so, if you want to get money. Yeah. There's a sense. proverb <laughs> Uh, in the book of Proverbs that says, a rich, man, a rich man can pay a ransom, but a poor man has no fear of kidnapping or something like that. And I feel like that applies to these sorts of guidelines. If you're not wealthy, regulators aren't going to go after you, even if you're in violation and even if the treaties and all, you know, all of the ifs. If, if you're poor, even if they could, they're not going to because it's not worth it. Um but if you're rich, you can afford to hire a lawyer and to talk about this. So if you're a you know, multi-selling New York Times selling author and you've got millions of dollars, don't just listen to me. Hire your own lawyer and follow his advice or her advice. Um, all right. Some other guidelines. If somebody from the EU asks you to delete your record of them, uh, you need to do that. Partly just because it's a good neighborly thing. Somebody from the U.S. does that, you should do that too. And I will say, deleting the record of that person, whether it's on your website or on MailChimp or ConvertKit or wherever, is going to get a lot easier because all of those companies that you're using are creating tools for you to delete people's data. So it's this right to be forgotten, which is a big European right. and right you know a year ago it was really hard to do that it was a real hassle you had to get into the database and be technically savvy pretty soon it's just going to be a uh, type in their email address pull up the record click delete done um and you should do that and really you shouldn't spam you know spamming is against american law too and it's just obnoxious don't be obnoxious this is uh you know do it because it's, it's the right thing to do um so what happens if you don't take care of gdpr by may 25th uh i don't think anything's going to happen here here's at least not right away. Here's what I'm expecting to happen with GDPR. On May 26th, some very wealthy European countries who are in clear violation are going to get prosecuted by the European regulators. And that will start a court... process that will take potentially years to work through the courts where they're able to establish the precedents. And these are going to be on clear violators who are clearly European. They're going to pick easy wins. (laughs) And then they're going to start expanding enforcement after they get those initial wins through the courts. So I don't feel like there's going to be uh, much that's happening initially. And sometimes, and I know this happens all the time with American law, uh, you'll pass a law and the courts will immediately suspend that law. So a lot of things that Congress has passed and the president has signed lately have been immediately suspended by the courts and they have not been enacted one single day. <laughs> so we're really, or, <laughs> er, er, and I'm not going to mention the law. I'm not even mentioning the name of the president because the, the, because uh, it happened with the last president too, right? This is not a political thing. This is just how the system, how the process works. Um, when it comes to the enforceability of a law, uh, before it's been tested in the courts, it's not as enforceable. And th- typically they're looking for very cl- the people who are trying to get those precedents created, the people, the regulators, they're looking for very easy wins, which we're we're talking people with millions of subscribers who are clearly in violation and are spamming um, or really are doing data mining because that's really the heart of this law, from my understanding, is to go after data miners and companies like Cambridge Analytica. And it's the Cambridge Analytica type scandals that helped spur this on. And most authors don't even understand what Cambridge Analytica was doing. <laughs> like, What they were do- actually doing is so complicated and so technical and so not what you were doing as an author collecting email addresses and sending promotions for your book. And so I realize this has been kind of a long rant and kind of a little out of the spirit of this show. But I think that a lot of the things in the GDPR are just good common sense things. You should follow them, but you shouldn't do it out of fear and you shouldn't be panicked. And if you have a book deadline coming up in two weeks, it's okay if you put off at, you know, making sure your subscribe forms are correct.
0: Yeah, the, the bo- I mean, the bottom line on this is you're going to do it for two reasons. You're going to do it for a selfish reason because it's actually going to help your Google rankings to do this. You're also going to do it for an unselfish reason. And that is, you're just, you're having more integrity. You're being more upfront. You're, you're, you're respecting your readers and those people on your email list. And, and you're showing them that you're doing that. So again, like Thomas is saying, um, it's, uh, some people are acting like it's Y2K. <laughs> the people who said, you know, it was going to st- destroy, destroy civilization. And it, you know, turned out not to be that. But you still need to make these steps. Because it is the right
1: thing to do. That's right. And, you know, you may, you're getting a lot of emails, and it's part of that is because the companies that are becoming compliant want to tell you that they're becoming compliant. If you're going to have to spend $100,000 working with a lawyer and redoing your software, you want to send an email to your users letting them know about it. <laughs> so, uh, And you're being protected by all of those companies that are getting compliant on your behalf. So um, I really don't think this is something to worry about. Uh, but, you know, respect people's privacy and um w- one more thing uh if i feel like if you're doing this in good faith uh there is an another defense you have and that is that you're not specifically targeting europeans so just because a european is coming to your website i don't think that's enough you really have to be like aggressively marketing uh or at least intentionally marketing to europe like if if you have a book about you know southern romance in the south of the united states and you're targeting primarily people who live in louisiana it would be really hard for some European regulator to make a case against you in an American court (laughs) that you're violating their law. Like I just don't see that happening. Um, So that is my not lawyer opinion. So,
0: (laughs) And Thomas, uh, you always have one, which is so great. (laughs) Opinions are
1: like warts. Everyone has them. No one wants to see anybody (laughs) else. (laughs) So we will have much more practical info for you next week. Yes.
0: But as always, thank you for listening. This has been James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstad Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.